Welcome to the Nobles You podcast. Thanks for listening, and we are grateful you're with us today. My name is Mike Keelan, the Director of Teaching and Learning at Nobles, and I'll be your host today. I first want to briefly explain the purpose of the podcast and what we're hoping to provide you. So on the podcast, we speak with faculty and staff members, all involved with our work related to teaching and learning, academic technology, DEI culture and practices, socio-emotional learning, and more. Our faculty and staff here have a great deal of expertise on a wide range of subjects, and through the podcast, we hope to learn from our guests who provide insight into the opportunities and challenges in the fascinating and complex world of education. Today, we are thrilled to speak with Alden Mock, a member of our English department for 28 years and recipient of the Vernon L. Green Prize for Faculty Excellence. Alden will actually be retiring at the end of this year. Alden, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Mike. And why aren't you in the office with me? (laughs) (laughs) We are usually office mates, but for the purpose of the podcast, we are split up a bit. Um, So we're going to start out not with your role as a teacher, but your role as a student. And wanted to go back to your own high school experience and hear a little bit about what your high school experience was like. So... It's funny because I think obviously for a lot of us who are teachers, it's, it's related how you go through your own education impacts how you decide to dole it out to others um, when they're of age. For me, high school was challenging in a number of different ways. There, was, there were some family issues. I was away at a boarding school and I was very young for my age. I think I might have Looking at it now, I probably would have been a kid who would uh, would have repeated a year. Um, so I went up to Taft, and I was I would say a bit overwhelmed by the size of the place, and there were a lot of smart kids there, and there were, and some of the things that I was passionate about were not really. Uh, accessible to me right away, and I would say um, some of that, some of those were sports related, and some of them were art related. So it was a little bit of a of a struggle, which I I got through, and I had fun, and I met a lot of nice uh, kids who have become my friends, some for a, a long period of time now. It definitely impacted how I felt and where I went. Uh, to college, interestingly enough. Um, in, what, in what way? I think that because of my academic performance, which I would say it would be, it would be uh, defined probably as lackluster, I, there were certain colleges that were, I wasn't going to be able to apply to. And back in those days, the further you went away from the Northeast, the greater chance you had of getting into into a college. So I went to a small liberal arts college outside of Chicago, which was fantastic for me, interestingly enough. It was away from home. It was away from some of the expectations that I probably brought with me and also were inculcated into me at, at Taft. And I was able to just 
go about the business of being in a classroom and, and reading and doing what I wanted to do. So we move from your college experience and eventually your arrival at Nobles. What happened in between those two events in your life? Um, when I graduated from college, well, I'll just say this. One of the reasons that Lake Forest College was, um, there are a lot of reasons it was really beneficial to me. Just in case Lori Mock ever listens to this, I'm going to say chief amongst them was that I met her in college. But I would also say the maybe the most, I would say arguably one of the most important things that ever happened in my life was to be taught by Professor Bob Greenfield, who talked me into the notion of going to grad school and becoming a teacher. And when I look back now in my 60s, that was, if I was deeply religious, I would say it was a blessing. Interesting. And, and maybe I should say it, I should call it that for what it is. It was a blessing to run into this guy who was a great teacher and who really pushed me and told me when my work wasn't good enough and then told me when it was good and encouraged me. And so I, I applied to grad school. This was not something that people in my family aspired to do, was to become a teacher and go teach at a high school. And uh, certain members of my family, I think, were, I was maybe disappointed is too strong a word, but barely too strong a word. Um, I think hmm. they were probably concerned with, okay, well, what does that mean for you for, you know, what you're going to do for the rest of your life? So we are lucky that you went down the chosen path of education. And now let's move on to Nobles. Um, as one of our most experienced, but not old, faculty members. Mm, um, thank you. Yeah. One of the <laughs> things I'm curious about is when you look back at your early years at Nobles, what have been the biggest differences between the Nobles of the past and Nobles today? Uh, that's a great question. I'll, I'll just quickly say that coming into Nobles was interesting because of my stint at St. Sebastian's too. So that part of coming to Nobles in the, in the early days was beginning to figure out and adjust and adapt my teaching to co-education as opposed to, you know, having a classroom full of anywhere between 15 and 19 boys in the room. So I think that as Nobles has changed, I I have changed as well. And part of it was that I had to I had to sort of broaden my perspective on what my role in the room was and how to present literature and also to hear different perspectives on um whatever I was teaching. So was now, it primarily around gender that you would say? I would say it, I would say at first it was. Yeah. I think at first it was, and I think I still, you know, I still, I sometimes wonder if, if it's easier for me to teach a certain kind of boy. Um, I, I think in part because I've had more, you know, that much more experience with it. But I, I am a firm believer in coeducation. I wouldn't. I'm so happy I, that I came over here. 
I also think that Nobles has moved. There's, you know, there are always these transition periods. I think in schools, and I think Nobles transition from, as I as I sometimes kid Dick Baker, the good old days, which were very traditional, and. Dick had a, a huge role in pushing us into a, a more, I would say, academic, um, academically rigorous uh, kind of school. But I think that the school also has become a place where um, academics are. I think that the 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 best kids that we teach, you can't categorized as one kind of kid. I Mm. think that there are so many different kids who bring different passions and perspectives. And that makes us a, that makes us a really good school. I would agree. It also makes it a pleasure to teach here for sure. With absolutely diversity of talent and interests. Yeah. And backgrounds. So I asked the question about sort of change over time. Now I'm curious if you had to think about what are the things that have remained constant over the years that you've been here? I think I'll start with the good ones that have remained constant. I think that Nobles still is designed to make sure that kids are challenged and rewarded in areas that are fairly diverse. And what I mean by that is, is that there are a lot of kids who go, who go to school here and do really well in the classroom, but there also is the opportunity to do really well on the stage or in the orchestra or on the hockey team or in community service. And I think that that aspect of, of a, broader education is something that we really do pretty well. And I would also throw in there, you know, that I have the I have the the privilege of having both of my kids go here. And I know that there are things that Hannah and Henry did while they were at Nobles in all sorts of different ways that they would not have been able to do if they had gone to a public school in Newton, which is a really good public school. But they both took trips over vacations. They both did a semester away while they were here and got credit for the part of their junior year. They both wound up, interestingly enough, being captains of sports teams that were sports that they had never participated in before they got here. So I think that's a constant that Nobles offers and encourages that is that is is good. Some of the constants that I sometimes spend a lot of time thinking about and discussing with some people are that I think that Nobles is not as far removed from certain cultural and institutional traditions and norms and a way of thinking that is very much still anchored in a kind of private school, you know, PWI kind of, of vision of itself. 
And so I think that there's probably still room for improvement there. Room for growth. And a lot of conversations about that. And I think healthy conversations mm-hmm. as Nobles continues to evolve and re-examine itself year by year. Um, so as you start to you know, contemplate the process mm-hmm. of moving on from Nobles, just curious as you look back, what are some of your fond memories that you have uh, during your time here? Oh my gosh. I don't know. There's so many. I, I mean, I would definitely say that being able to have my, be able to have my kids go to school where I was teaching is, is one of the best. It is absolutely one of the best. And I think in a funny sort of way, I think I, you know, going back to your original question about my high school days, I think that, I think that if I have success as a teacher, some of it lies in me being able to to uh, reach kids for whom the experience of going to Nobles is difficult. And I also think that my teaching was probably improved by the fact that Hannah and Henry were here for much of it. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing a good job for other kids while they were here. That was definitely an incentive. Um, hmm. I hope I would have been a good teacher, even if they had decided to go elsewhere or stay in Newton schools. But having them here, having them, you know, the opportunity to share the share this school with them in real time was uh, is definitely one of my the best parts of of being here at school at Nobles. Uh, that's really fantastic and moving, and I think. Ken and Henry give you props for that response <laughs> to the question. Yeah, um, but it absolutely. makes no, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. So you started to, you know, bring up your role as a teacher and moving a little bit to the X's and O's of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are interested in teaching or aspire to teach or just interested in education, um, as one of our, I don't think this is an exaggeration to say, renowned English teachers. What are the qualities of effective English teachers that you would note? Well, first, let me look up uh, renowned on my laptop thesaurus and see if that was a compliment or what that was. Um, no, thanks for saying that. Um, I, I find teaching so interesting because it is, it's, it seems to me, or how I think about it is, there's this interesting notion where you walk into a classroom and you're the only adult in the room. And then as soon as you walk out, you're surrounded with adults and colleagues. And I think that that's actually been something that has really helped me a lot. I think that Nobles is not only a place where we have great colleagues to, to, um, who become our friends and our 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 mentors and and then we in turn try to help out folks when we can but i also think that there is immediate feedback on on the experience of teaching is available at the same time when you walk into the room with the kids you're all by yourself with the kids and so i think that developing a persona with the the students that is accessible to them is something I think about a lot. So in terms of X's and O's, I think some of it for me is content driven. 
and always has been. And then, but equally important, if sometimes not more important, is how I present myself to the kids in my classroom where they will feel comfortable not only showing, you know, how smart they are and how original they are and how creative they are, but also that uh, for whom, for kids for whom English may not be the their primary subject of interest or skill is like, okay, this is a this is a place where you can take a risk. This yep. is a place where you can say something that, you know, that that you're not sure is correct. I'll help you with that. This is a place where you can write in a maybe in a way that that you're a little bit unsure of, but maybe there'll there'll be some pieces in there that we can find that are that'll that'll be useful. So no, those observations would be helpful to a novice English teacher and I think experienced English teachers as well. And I can attest hearing from some of your students over the years and I think you live out those ideals in really concrete ways, which is really, really fantastic to watch. Um, keeping with teaching, um, I know you've had the opportunity to teach lots of different courses over your time here. I was curious what some of your favorite courses to teach have been. Well, since you already mentioned my retirement, I'll tell you the ones that I'm going to miss the most Perfect. are probably the, t- uh, I would say right up there are the two senior electives that I have just finished with in this semester. One of which, fortunately, I will get to teach again, and that is the uh, race and identity course that I teach with Edgar de Leon. That course to me is, I say to the kids on the, in, the, in the opening days of the course, it's my favorite course to teach, and it's the one that scares me the most. Hmm. And it's because I know that as a 66-year-old white guy raised in Westchester County who went to private schools my entire life until I went to a public university for grad school, that I am... I am a type. I am a person who carries around certain stereotypes and and uh, I would say perceptions that are not always they're not always the ones that serve me the best. Let's just say that. And I get a chance in that class with Edgar to examine my own thinking as well as what we get to with the kids. That's a uh, that class I love. The other class I like is the epic class that I just finished, where I teach the Iliad, um, but I also teach Omeros by Derek Walcott. And that combination and that comparison to me is, to me, the most important way or goal of teaching English in a course. And that is to have the Iliad as an equal to, but not the superior of Walcott's epic, Omeros. And that's, I mean, that is part of what I think Walcott is trying to get us to realize, too, with his illusions that you can't miss to the Iliad. But I also think that sometimes when 
we when and saying in English class, if you teach comparative literature, that there can be an an almost subconscious notion that the Shakespeare or the Iliad or the nineteenth century European novel is the foundation, and then you introduce something else that actually gets you to revisit some of those ideas and tropes and themes yet again. Hmm. Instead of saying that these two works of literature are of absolute equal importance and weight and literary significance. And I think that so that's that was a big part of why I I I dis, I designed the epic class in the first place, which has been both classes have been immensely popular, uh, which brings me to my next question. You know, as hopefully some of these courses go on, maybe some won't. Um, you mentioned you'll miss teaching those courses. What else do you think you're going to miss about nobles after you retire at the end of this year? I, un, I undoubtedly, I know, I can feel it in my bones already. I'm going to miss the easy access to community every day. I think that walking into a school, and you know what, I, I just should say too, it's not like I didn't have this at St. Seb's either. You know, at St. Seb's, a very different school than Nobles, but I had, this, I had that same privilege to walk into a place that had a lot of really interesting, smart people of all ages. And if you look at nobles, we have, you know, we have kids who are age 12, and we have a faculty member in his 80s. That's a, <laughs> that's a pretty good span of age that you can take advantage of every day when you walk in the door here. So I know that I will miss the sort of the, the variety of ideas and the, and the different perspectives of, of people, both, you know, students and teachers. I'll miss that. Yeah. And again, I, I, I think we're going to miss you as part of that community. Hopefully you won't disappear entirely. I don't think you're going to be that far down the road from us. So hopefully make an appearance every so often here at Nobles. So we're almost out of time, but I was curious if there's anything else in your mind related to your time and commitment to Nobles over the years. Well, I feel like I should say something about DEI work at Nobles just because I would say in the second half of my career as a teacher, that work not only sort of enriched my teaching and gave me gave energy to my teaching and also to how I perceived myself as a school presence, but I also think that it is at the crux of what nobles and other schools have to do in future if private schools or independent schools have whatever nomenclature you want to use if they are going to be relevant in American education. We do not educate 
percentage-wise, a huge portion of school-age kids in America, private schools. But I think we have, considering the diversity of student we have, and and that is that's that has to do with things like race and religion and sexual orientation. It also at a school like this has to do with geography, considering where how many different towns we reach into for our kids. I think that it is a responsibility that schools like Nobles need to constantly have top of mind. And I and, you- and it was and it was it was it was the source of some of the of the best experiences that I've had as a teacher. And I know you've been a huge voice and advocate in that realm. And and you and Edgar, whether it be the class or outside the classroom, again have been advocates and and I think that legacy will live on. And I agree that for sure the conversations around DEI that are happening not only at Nobles, but around the country are so vital to the culture and community of the school. So before we finish up, I just wanted to put a plug in for some of the other podcasts that we've had. Lots of thoughtful faculty like Alden. So if you get a chance, it's the Nobles U podcast on Apple and Spotify. And if not, hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you again, Alden.